And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 85. We don't have an intro, so look, it is Thanksgiving week. Y'all are basing the turkey, cutting into some ham, doing all the things to avoid your family, maybe. So let's just get right in. Unless you're not in the United States and you've already had Thanksgiving. Or you don't have Thanksgiving at all. And either way, you're still trying to avoid your family. So cheers. (laughs) Cheers to that. I understand you and I see you. (laughs) Okay. Hey girls, hey. My name is Michelle. I found as I sit here at work, almost caught up on the podcast. I keep hearing y'all say, tell us your stories. Send them in. So here goes. Somebody actually listened to us. I've always felt like I have a little more insight than the normal person. I grew up in Michigan. That's where I met Katie. I was in fifth grade. She was in sixth. We were inseparable, doing all the things that besties do. Getting caught smoking, sneaking out, meeting up, and getting into trouble. All the things. Y'all remind me of she and I so much. Fast forward two years after high school. We were each busy with life and working and everything that includes. Not as close as we once were, but we pick up right where we left off when we'd get together. I made plans and moved to Tennessee. We talked every now and then, and maybe Facebook message or a text. Life is busy. Three years ago, Katie's sister called me to tell me that Katie had a massive heart attack and had passed. She was 39. Oh, gosh. I was lost, heartbroken, and guilt-ridden. And 650 miles away, it honestly rocked my world. Katie came to me in a dream one night and said, Belle, I'm fine. You need to chill. And poof, I was good. I missed her. I was sad, but good. For 11 years, I worked as a hospice CNA and loved it and was very good at it. I drove to my patient's home all over Middle Tennessee. I'd be driving and see a house that caught my attention, and the next day or the week, I'd be driving to that very house that caught my attention to see my new patient. Or I'd sit straight up in the middle of the night because I just knew Mr. or Mrs. fill-in-the-blank had just passed. Oh, gosh. My patients included my father-in-law, who had moved in with us to care for in his last days. I've seen some amazing things I just can't explain. That's for another email. Two years ago, my parents went to a medium. I'll refer to her as M. My mom would tell me what M had to say who came through to see her, who came to my dad, who was never a believer. Last year, I went to visit my parents, and they made me an appointment to go see M. This was an amazing experience. I wanted to know about my past lives, experiences, whatever she could tell me. She confirmed many theories I had. I noticed she was distracted, giggling a little. She finally said, I'm sorry, do you know a Catherine? I'm stumped. Who is Catherine? She said, okay, okay, sorry. I'll tell her Katie, not Catherine. I burst into tears and said, yes, I've been waiting for her. And proceeded to tell me that Katie had been there the whole time, being nosy and just listening. Now she's throwing popcorn at me and trying to get me to laugh to dry up my tears. M said she was finishing my sentences, making fun of me and laughing at me, telling M our secrets, just like nothing had changed. M said she could feel a bond more like sisters, but got into trouble like Thelma and Louise. She always goes on road trips with me just like we used to. I asked about my father-in-law who was happy to see me and he was so grateful for me and the care I gave him. I got to speak with my grandparents who I found out send me red birds 
and one patient in particular who had broken through the wall around my heart. I cared for this man for two years, five days a week. He had ALS. I started seeing him in the home he built with his two hands and then in a facility. He thanked me and assured me he's okay now and went on his way. I also asked M about my pets. She told me I had a large black lab and a small black and tan dog with me. Yep, that's them. The lab is Jackson and the little one is Chloe May, named after her aunt Katie May. Aww. I would feel them on the bed at night or smell them at night. Not dirty dog, but their own smell. And it would wake me up. I loved that they would visit me, but don't fuck with my sleep. (laughs) I love it. She put that in like bold, like legit bold. So I would tell them to go see grandma. And I shit you not, my mom would tell me Chloe and Jackson came to see her last night. I would say, I know, I sent them. I just want everyone to know that your loved ones, family members, and friends are with you always. So talk to them and tell them you love them and miss them. Talk about the time you two got caught smoking in the bathroom and had to wash down the walls and ceiling. True story. Thank you both for everything you do, and thank you for making this podcast and Facebook group a safe place. More stories to come. Creep it real and don't get scared. Michelle from Tennessee. Oh, my gosh. And is Katie as a ghost me? That's the fucking truth. As a person and as a ghost. If you die in four years, I'll kill you. You better not die. Right? If Carrie was a ghost, I would have to be like, to a medium, can you, can a Carrie come through? Because she's going to have to help me with details because Carrie's my person of, I don't think I know. Yes, you do. You know, this yeah. happened. I'm like, no, I don't think that ever happened. Yes, it was this time. Like, she's my person. I'm going to have to have someone there that remembers all this shit. Which is why we're an old married couple, because I don't remember shit. I know. I know. Thank you so much for that email. And yes, we want to hear that other cliffhanger story you had going on in there. Send it in, girl. But on to two dreams and a showdown in Mexico. Hi, ladies. I'm back again with the third story. Actually, three rolled into two short-as-I-can-make-them stories, so let me start. In 2014, my grandmother, my dad's mom, passed away. It came as a surprise. She was very active, and we hadn't seen her in a year since she moved back to Mexico. She barely spoke English, and I barely spoke Spanish, but we had a pretty decent relationship. Two years ago, I had a dream that I was in this building that looked like a bar, The doors open. I see a bright light and fog. My dad comes in and says, I have a surprise for you. My grandmother walks through the door, crying, arms outstretched. I hug her in shock and ask her how she's here right now. She starts talking to me in Spanish, which I completely understood. She told me that someone let her come down to visit me and she wanted to see how I was doing since she never got to before she died. I still think about that to this day. Fast forward to December 2019, my other grandmother passes away. She had dementia, amongst other things. She lived with my mom and I for a month before she passed. We barely slept and did everything for her, but she was happy and spent one last Thanksgiving with us. We weren't super close, but I did have a good relationship with her. She got me hooked on true crime by watching Monk and Criminal Minds at age 8, which I probably shouldn't have been watching, but I love now. Oh my God, I love both of those, but Monk was so fucking good. In March, I had a dream that I was in my living room with my mom when my grandmother walks in and hugs us both. 
She sits down and my mom tells her that she's sorry she didn't do more to help her so she could have stayed longer and I told her I was sorry too and I hope I spent enough time with her. She says it's okay and that we did the best we could. We exchange I love yous and she walks out as I woke up. I still haven't told my mom this. Whether they're dreams or a visitation from them, it's comforting to say the least. This last story isn't paranormal or true crime necessarily, but I know you'll get a kick out of it. When my sister was two, my parents took her to Mexico to visit my dad's family. While they were shopping, my sister started a temper tantrum. A police officer saw my sister freaking out with my mom walking away from the store and ran over to my mom and tried to rip my sister out of her arms. My mom started arguing and trying to fight him off. Keep in mind, she's white and knows zero Spanish. As he grabs my sister, my mom backhands him in the face, (gasps) which causes other officers to try to arrest my mom. My aunt had to come over and calm everyone down because, as it turns out, the police officer thought my mom was kidnapping my sister. Whoops. All while my dad comes out of the shop being like, what happened? Of course, dad. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's how close I came to never being born. Creep it real, Sarah from Texas. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Your mom's a badass. She slapped a fucking Mexican police officer. Backhand him. Oh, my gosh. Also, that's so sweet about those visitations or those dreams. Yeah, you're so lucky. Yeah. This one is Call It What You Will. Hi, ladies. I'm catching up on your podcast and super behind, but I'm getting there. At times, I need to take a break from it because I freak myself out. And by break, I'm talking like an afternoon. And then I'm back listening to y'all. I've got two stories for you and many more on the way. These stories are lengthy, so if you need to break them up, I'm okay with that. There are details to these stories because I'm all about the deets. So here goes story number one. Call this paranormal, true crime, both, or neither. My boyfriend of almost six years and I broke up after just being toxic together. We still lived together for almost four months after we split. I do not recommend this. He works as a cop in our hometown and went to work one Friday night. My sister came over and we decided to go to Home Depot because we enjoy building things and we're crafty bitches. We contemplated bringing our dogs with us, but we opted not to, and I'm glad that we made this choice. Almost as if something told us not to. I had stopped at a gas station to get gas, and we went to Home Depot. We didn't end up buying anything and got in the car to go home. We went under the underpass and noticed a truck was stopped in the middle of the left-hand turn lane and the lane next to it. We were right behind him. Finally, he turned left. Once you turn left, you end up on the feeder road to one of the main highways. We noticed the truck was swerving, but we didn't think much of it. Once we got to the highway, I passed him and told my sister that drivers like that make me nervous. She said he was on his phone, and we both rolled our eyes. We came to a red light, and he stopped about five or six cars back. Next thing we know, my car is ramming into the car in front of me. Twice. He hit us going 60 miles per hour, and we were at a dead stop. Holy shit. My sister screamed, it's him, it's him. We got out of the car and saw that the entire trunk of my car was in my back seat, and my back windshield was in the lane next to us. 
The lady in front of me got out and started assessing the damage to her car. I called 911, then called my ex-boyfriend, and he said he was on his way. They were sending officers over. The guy in the truck never got out of his vehicle, so I walked over to check on him. He rolled his window down, and I asked if he was okay. He said, you didn't move. Puzzled, I told him that I was at a red light and that I couldn't, and he just kept replying, but you didn't move. I knew that he was drunk. Finally, officers arrived, and it was officers I know. I told them that the guy was drunk. My parents arrived also. Finally, after a while, the guy steps out and is stumbling. He leans on the back of my car, cutting himself in the process. EMS is called to determine if the guy is good to go and gets arrested. My ex shows up, and I was so happy to have that sense of calm near me, even though he was already seeing another woman. Whatever. Anywho, my sister and I walked away with whiplash and neck spasms. Thank our lucky stars, because me, being the lazy person I am, left two tires in the trunk of my car, and am convinced that absorbed most of the shock from the wreck. I stayed with my parents that night. My ex told me that the guy came back with a .27 blood alcohol, and this was his fourth DWI. He posted bail and was back home the next day. My ex worked the whole weekend, and on Sunday morning came in as I was cleaning around the house, sore as hell. He said, so you know that guy that hit you? Confused, I said, yeah. Then he said, yeah, he's dead. Died of a heart attack last night. What the fuck? I know karma's real, but damn. He then tells me about the 911 call that came in from his wife, and basically, he died on his way to the hospital. Okay, so story number two. A little more lighthearted. When I was eight, my maternal great-grandmother died. She and I were very close, and I felt like a part of me died when she did. Fast forward to 2011. I'm 21, and my maternal grandmother has been diagnosed with melanoma for the second time. This time, the cancer is much more aggressive. During her rounds of chemo and the numerous surgeries she's having, she was in pain, and it tore at all of us in the family. I remember one night in particular when she had returned from chemo and was sick and in pain. I sat on her bed and cried. I'm talking the ugliest of ugly crying, begging and pleading with God to help her. For some reason, my great-grandmother popped into my head, so I started talking to her. Little backstory, the apartment I lived in didn't have an overhead fan, so I had a standing fan next to my bed and aimed towards me going full speed because, well, Texas. I cried and told her I missed her and that I needed her to be with me and wasn't sure it was a thing she could do. Before I knew it, I felt a warm, calm hug envelop my entire body to the point where I no longer felt the fan blowing on me. I just knew it was my great-grandmother. I stopped crying for a second and just relished in it. It felt like her hugs had. I fell asleep that night with her arms around me and woke up the next day feeling calm. I can't explain it, but I also don't want to. It's just a reminder that they can still come and visit when you need them the most. My grandmother has since passed away, and I feel her everywhere I go. My fiancé recently proposed to me and used the ring she wore and gave me before she died, and every time I look at it, I'm reminded of my grandmother. Oh my gosh. That wraps up my two stories. I know they're long. Sorry, not sorry. 
Also, wear sunscreen and visit dermatologists annually to get your skin checked. That's my PSA for the week. I've got more stories to send you from dreams to a little girl haunting my old house to what my dogs can see that we don't. Creep it real, ladies. L. Okay, so crazy that we have, like, we've had two stories about, like, grandparents and people being able to come visit you and protect you and love you, you know? Mm-hmm. As someone who used to go to the tanning bed and all that all the time, and then when I went and worked in oncology, I was like, oh, my God, wear sunscreen, wear sunscreen, wear sunscreen. Well, I go see the dermatologist more than anyone should. Damn near weekly. (laughs) (laughs) Also, send in all those other stories, please, and thank you. This one is titled, That Time I Almost Got Murked, to my favorite Southern Bells. Let's start by not using my name or other people in this story. I still live in the area this occurred, and if for some reason the subjects of the story listen to your amazing podcast, I would like them to not totally know that I told our story. I'm going to jump right in so this doesn't turn into a book. I'm obsessed with the paranormal. I grew up with Ghost Hunters every Wednesday and the friend Debrief the morning after. We used to go to graveyards at night and take pictures. I was never scared, but always thought that there could be something else out there. I never thought I would encounter it. Cue X-Files music. In December 2018, I needed to find a part-time job during college after quitting a terrible job at the college late night sub shop. The college is located in the middle of nowhere, meaning there's a gas station, a couple of restaurants, a Dollar General, and only about a thousand people in town when the college is out. Of course, there'd be a Dollar General thrown in there. Well, yeah. I'm surprised not too. A Dollar General, a Dollar Tree, and a family dollar. Right? Okay. A family friend sent me a flyer for a part-time position at a dairy farm, and I couldn't be happier. Cows, unlike people, don't talk or drunkly puke everywhere. Ew. Right? So, I started the day after my interview. The farm was family-owned and had been in the same family for three generations previous to my current employer. It was an older, well-used farm. The newest piece of equipment was a 70s Ford tractor only used for hay and corn equipment. We are going to call my boss Bob, who is a frail 72-year-old man smaller than my 145-pound soaking wet physique that would give you the shirt off his back. And his nephew, Asshole, who is a 35-year-old, 250-pound man with, what I found out, an anger issue. Mm. I love working cows. I did it all through high school. I worked in the morning and at night just for milking. We were milking about 80 in a single 8 herringbone, so chores would only take about two hours tops. You are saying words that I'm (laughs) sure make sense, but I'm hoping I said that right. I mean, I'm guessing 80 cow, and they were in a herringbone pattern? How they were set up? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Working with Bob was slow, but we always had nice chats while he played his bluegrass on the radio, and we milked cows. Working with Asshole was good at first. He was very nice and jovial, but then his ex showed up, and for some reason, Bob thought it was a great idea to hire her back on the farm. To preface this, she had worked at the farm before my time there. She lived with Asshole, and they raised her and another man's child for three years until she went off the reservation. Asshole had lost custody battle for the child of hers that he raised to the biological father. She was supposedly not coming back, 
So he was hitting on me since I started. Anyways, she started working and became friends. We would talk, get drinks, and went horseback riding with her horses. Then she moved back in with Asshole, and things went downhill fast. It started with her beginning to bring up shit from their past, like infidelity and him getting arrested for assault because he drinks too heavily. Then they started actively drinking and smoking the devil's lettuce in the parlor while we were doing chores. They would argue daily, almost get into physical fights, and get into screaming matches across the barn while milking cows. Well, that's going to be some sour milk. Dada, I swear to God, I was thinking that, and then I was like, well, no use crying never spilt milk. I swear to God, I oh almost God. said sour milk. Oh, God. <laughs> we're terrible. It gets better, because I told her that asshole had come over to hang out my place one night with all of my roommates home and tried kissing me. I pushed him off and tried to laugh it off, which he did not take kindly to. Apparently, he had told her that we had sex that night <gasps> in order to make her jealous. What an asshole. <laughs> Literally, right? So, now I was caught up in the middle of their drama. So, asshole began ignoring me. Just straight up, blatantly ignoring me. I would need something for the cows and he would ignore me to the point I would have to go find Bob to get an answer. So this is when I started downloading podcasts and found you guys. I got to listen to your lovely banter instead of his grumbling. Then came the side comments. I would be talking to Bob or her and he would just make nasty comments calling me a dumbass or a stupid cunt. <gasps> he would do this in front of Bob and Bob wouldn't or couldn't do anything. The final big straw was when we were all working on a tractor. Those two got into an argument and I told asshole to back the fuck off because he started pushing and shoving her. Then he whipped around and put his arm up to punch me. I looked him dead in the eyes and I said, do it and my dad will kill you. I walked away. I told Bob I was quitting and told him why and about all the verbal abuse and now physical. He shrugged and said that this wasn't the first time someone quit because of asshole's issues. He asked if I could stay until they found someone else. That was June of 2019. Bob tried hard to make sure asshole and I didn't work shifts together, but being July and hay season, it didn't work out. As I started to work alone more and more, I started noticing a man walking around the parlor just when the sunrise or sunset would come through the windows. At first, I thought it was Bob. And then, as I started to see it more frequently, I realized it was just a black shadow darting around. I shrugged it off because there are enough weird animals that show up on a dairy farm in the middle of nowhere. Lord knows what's in the lights or anywhere else. One day, I got a call from her, bawling hysterically. Apparently, at 4.45 in the morning, on their way to work with me, they got in an argument. An asshole just pulled over and literally kicked her out of the car. I couldn't leave her on some random ass back road on a Sunday, so I went and got her. Got some of her stuff from his house and dropped her off at her brother's house in town. When I got back to work, asshole was on a rampage that I helped her. He threw a beer at me and yelled, I'm going to kill you, you stupid cunt, and I know where you live. I told Bob I would work the next shift, but I wasn't coming back. The next morning, it was still dark out and I had to go bring the cows in from pasture. I was the only one on the farm at this point. I walked to the back of the barn where the pasture gates were, and there under the single floodlight by the gate was a black figure leaning on the gate. My body froze, and I didn't know what to do. 
I had never been frozen in fear before. The body swayed and I heard a gravely old man voice. He's going to get you if you don't leave. I turned around and as calmly as I could, walked to my truck, got in it, drove home and loaded my shotgun and never went back. I was living alone at the time and I just dreaded hearing a knock at my door, hoping it was an asshole coming to kill me. Back in June, I had put an application for a managerial position at an organic dairy farm with milking robots, which turned out to be the best job I've had in my 24 years of life. Through the small town's barstool grapevine and the county sheriff's website, I heard he's now in jail for assault. Imagine that. I download episodes from Spotify and listen to you ladies while feeding baby calves, mowing hay, and getting that good western New York farmer's tan. Creep it real and listen to creepy ghost warnings. Whew. Oh my god, I wonder what would have happened if you'd stayed. Right? You'd probably be the one he was in jail for assaulting. Like, thank you, creepy old black figure thing. Ghost thing, question mark? Yeah, oh my gosh. What a creepy, like, not the ghost, I mean the ghost, yes, but the, like, asshole. What an asshole. And obviously their toxicity is not Bob's fault, but like, why the fuck did Bob hire her back? Right, and then I feel bad for Bob because he's old and right, whatever, but it's like, why do you have asshole, like... Clearly, there's other people that would work for him. Yeah. This one is called Sinister Sighting Story Full of Crime with a Dash of Spooky. Hello, y'all. I hope y'all are doing well with everything that's going on right now. Before I get into my stories, I wanted to give a disclaimer. I could not get the guts to tell any of my paranormal stories. I promised Donna I would, but honestly, they still chill me to the bone. After being held on a bed by something you cannot see sticks with you for a bit. But I have a few true crime stories I thought I could tell for now. My long-winded disclaimer is that these may be triggering. Children, abuse, and suicide are all mentioned. A few years back, after the father of my child broke it off, I moved into government housing, or Section 8. It was what I could afford with a baby and no job. Honestly, the apartment itself was not bad. The first day I moved in, I was greeted by a guy telling me good luck due to it being a high-traffic area. Things just went downhill from there. My lawyer for custody later on told me that I needed to get out due to all of her criminal clients being there. I mean, it wasn't like I was not trying. We had a few shootings in the apartment complex. My first one, I was feeding my son when all of a sudden I heard, Get the fuck down! After the second pop, I was in the bathroom with my son. My best friend watched the guy run in front of her apartment holding the gun. She went to yell at them to be quiet when she realized they had a gun. She promptly went back inside. The thing with where we lived is slash was a lot of negative energy. Not only did it not always feel the safest, but my apartment was haunted as fuck. After only about getting 10 hours of sleep in a week period, I went to try to take a nap after my son's father picked him up. When I heard a knock at the door. My neighbor's daughter came to see if I would help her mom. Now, my neighbor's daughter and her friend had come together, but the little girl who came with my neighbor's daughter was not allowed to cross the parking lot in front of my building. A lady had been hanging around my complex, but you learn to ignore after a while. I turned to grab my keys when I spun back around and the lady was in the doorway with a knife pointed at the little girl. 
She started spouting out nonsense about no one harming her family. I threw my hands up to show her I was no threat, that we were not going to harm anyone and she could leave. At that point, she backed away and booked it out of there. Honestly, we were very lucky. She left us and did not harm us, and in return, I didn't contact the authorities. About three months or so later, she actually came up to me to apologize. She explained that she had seen the girls and thought they were planning on hanging up on her. She was higher than a kite that day. She ran away to hide the knife, then turned herself in. She was able to get help, and I'm really glad it worked out for her. I have issues sleeping, but like Carrie, I love sleep. So when I get woken up by pounding on my door at 4 a.m., I am not a happy camper. Unless the person banging on my door is a fireman letting me know my apartment building is currently on fire. My boyfriend and I hauled it to my car with my now toddler in tow. My lovingly boyfriend actually went back for our cat. Apparently, our neighbor diagonally behind us decided putting firewood into his coat closet, then lighting it on fire was a grand idea. Previously that night, he was in the courtyard waving around a gun. To take it up a notch, he went into his ex's apartment to start a fire. From what I was told, she had broken up with him from jail. He was actually in her apartment. I'm only sure that I was not the happiest of humans after that incident. I am currently figuring out my supernatural side. I have a lot of it blocked off due to childhood trauma, but weird shit still happens to me. I either know things that I shouldn't know or things visit me. I was taking a nap one day. Side note, naps are life when you can take them. Amen, sister. When my neighbor started knocking on my door. Knock, Rachel. Knock, Rachel. 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 It was like the Sheldon knockoff of the Big Bang Theory. Which is totally what I thought you were talking about when you did that. Which is normal. She always did this. Her daughter just had a baby and I thought she needed a ride. My groggy ass got up to talk to her. Now, crows always seem to follow me. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. That's fine, but I swear they are fucking following me. I open the door and see no one there but a few crows circling the parking lot. Already getting a bit creeped out, I turned around to hear Rachel coming inside from my apartment. Welp, I fucking let it in. I called my neighbor to make sure it wasn't her. When she informed me, she calls me Ray, not Rachel. One last thing, then I promise I'm done for now. Remember how I mentioned suicide? Well, the thing terrorizing me was male. We saw him a few times, among other things. There were a few entities there, but he was prominent. When I moved in, I had a feeling a guy took his life in my second bedroom. Discussing the paranormal happenings with my son's Nana, I mentioned how I felt someone took their life there and how it was done. She asked me how I knew it had happened. Apparently, it was a guy who she graduated with in high school. His girlfriend and kids found him. It could be a coincidence, but I was not surprised I knew. I will send in more true crime stories and eventually some paranormal ones, once I'm not chicken shit too. I just don't want to give my nightmares any more fuel than they've already got. I hope you all stay safe. Thank you for everything. The podcast has helped me a lot during work and to give me a laugh when I needed it most. Creep it real and don't open your doors to disembodied voices. Ray. Uh, those were paranormal enough. Right? Like when you said you talked to her and she was like, uh, I call you Ray. Skirt. Right? Like, uh, hold the phone. 
Oh, God. Mm -mm. Also, I get nervous belly really easily, and I feel like I would constantly be in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. Your neighbor, like, legit went out to yell at them like an angry old man, and then was like, and I oop, and turned right around when they saw the gun. (laughs) Yes. And I would uh, turn around and go straight to the bathroom because my nervous belly would act up. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, guys, I love your show. My sister showed me y'all two weeks ago, and I have binged every episode of Sinister Sightings since. They've got me through hours of outside work, meaningless hours of online school, and also just sitting by the pool. I've been meaning to write this in since I first started listening with this story. When my mom found out that she was pregnant with me, she initially was pregnant with twins. The doctor told her that one of the babies was growing more than the other, so she wouldn't be surprised if one of the babies didn't make it full term. At around 12 to 15 weeks, the other baby stopped growing and was reabsorbed into her body. This sounds super weird, but it's actually a lot more common than it seems. The human body is so crazy. Like, how it just absorbs a human. Right? Makes one, period. But then just like, "Mm mm-mm, just let me just absorb that. Yeah, My parents never told anyone that they were pregnant with twins because my mom was a nurse and knew one of them most likely wasn't going to make it. They felt blessed to have one baby make it full term. Flash forward about two years to when I was two and a half. One morning, I walked downstairs and I told my mom I had a dream about my brother. This wasn't too weird because I had an older brother who was five at the time. My mom asked me what my brother Mac and I were doing in my dream. I responded and said, no, not Mac, my other brother, the one in heaven. Immediately, my mom was furious, thinking my dad told me how I used to be a twin. When she asked my dad about it, my dad swore he didn't tell me a thing. After they talked, they realized that he couldn't have told me that I had a brother because they didn't even know the sex of the baby. I was the youngest of four, so they wanted my sex to be a surprise and never found out the gender of either baby. When my mom asked me about the dream, I told her that I met my brother in heaven and we had a great time. When my mom was pregnant, my parents decided on two names, Tessa Bell for a girl and Flynn Arthur for a boy. When I was born, for some reason, they decided they would name me Tessa Flynn. They still don't know why they changed my name. To this day, I'm convinced that they knew in their heart that my twin was a boy And named me Tessa Flynn, so I will always have a part of him with me. My family always jokes about how I ate my twin in the womb, so maybe I do have a part of him. (laughs) That's so some shit my family would do. Yes. Literally, like, things I thought of while I was reading this, and I was like, nope, mm -mm. oh, never mind. Okay, I would fit in with your family. This is only one of the many stories I have about spirits, the paranormal, and spooky dreams. I will make sure to write more in the future. Thanks for reading my story, Creep It Real, Tessa Flynn from Pennsylvania. Man, kids say the darndest things. And by darndest, I mean creepy as fuck. And true. Like, what the hell? This one is called, Was I Possessed? Hey ladies, currently writing this as I'm listening to the latest Sinister Sightings episode. Y'all always make me smile, and I look forward to each podcast. I told my sister about this podcast, and she told me I had to tell my story about the time I may have been possessed. Sorry if it's long-winded. I used to have awful insomnia after I graduated high school in 2012. 
I would not be able to sleep until nearly 6 a.m. most nights. Oh my God, who are you, Donna? One night around 2.45 a.m., I walked outside my back porch to get some air and looked at the stars. I was standing there when I felt like someone or something was watching me just beyond the tree line. I got spooked and went back inside, locking the door behind me and rushing to my bedroom. A few minutes later, I was thirsty and knocked on my sister's door to see if she wanted anything to drink, got her drink order, and was about to walk down the hall in the dark. My mom was a light sleeper, so I didn't dare turn on the light. As I turned to walk down the hallway, my body froze. I felt as though someone was staring at me at the end of the hall. That's right, into me. The feeling passed for a second, so I basically quiet ran to the end of the hallway. At the end of the hallway, picture it. To the left is the kitchen, and to the right opens into a living room. To my right, there was a six-foot black figure standing in front of our living room window, inside the house. I fumbled for the light switch to see nothing there when it came on. I yanked the drinks out of the fridge and booked it to my sister's room, shakily handing her a drink and squeaking goodnight as I ran into my room, shutting the door. I had bunk beds in my room, and so I was on the top bunk freaking out and trying to convince myself that I was sleep deprived. When there was a soft knock on my door, my sister came in asking if I felt that, that feeling that was in the house. I told her I did and asked that she sleep in my room for the night. She agreed, climbing up next to me. Now this part is from what she told me. I don't remember any of it. She said I pointed to the shadowy corner above my door and said, there it is, go away. She said I turned super pale and started swaying, tapping the back of my head and saying, pressure, pressure. She says that I then grabbed her hand hard and growled out the word, pray. Ladies, we aren't religious girls at all, but she prayed in the name of Jesus eight times before the color came back into my face and that creepy feeling left. We haven't felt anything since and have both long since moved out. Hopefully this story gave y'all chills like it gave me writing it all out again. Creeping it real in Arizona, CC. P.S. I don't have any social media for my mental health or I would join your groups. All CC, we totally get that. Totally get that. I just deleted Snapchat. I gotta. I had to wing down some. Yeah. Totally understand that. And um, you were in danger, girl. Yes. That was a totally freaky story. Whatever it was, your sister felt it too. Yes. And the thought of you like tapping the back of your head saying pressure, pressure. Like, I don't know. I just feel like. I could picture that and like, Mm -hmm. it's like in a trance and everything like, oh, that's scary. That's like insidious stuff. Oh, okay. Last one. The death van, a shit ton of sage and Charles Manson. Okay. Hey ladies, Casey from Oz here, like Kansas for real. Love you both and the APC community on Facebook so much. Here's one of my submissions for the podcast about my visit to Zach Bagan's The Haunted Mansion in Las Vegas, Nevada, and my experience there. It's crazy, but I'll try to keep it short. I travel for work a lot, or used to, stupid COVID, and one of my favorite places last year was Vegas. Instead of the city lights or strip clubs, I always wanted to go to the most haunted and terrifying places in a city when I have time off from photographing events, and Vegas was no exception. 
I heard of the museum through Ghost Adventures. Who doesn't love those ghosty, sexy boys? Hi, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) And when you throw in the most haunted objects in the world mixed with some of the most gruesome murderers and artifacts ever, how can you not want to go when you're in town? I want to go so freaking bad. Mm-hmm. The museum itself is host to the Dr. Kevorkian death van, where he assisted in hundreds of medically induced suicides, and also to the teeth, blood work, and ashes from Charles Manson and Peggy the Doll. Hi, Peggy. Everyone is insisted to say hello to Peggy because she doesn't like to be ignored. Plus, they aren't sure if she hosts the spirit of a little girl or a demon or both. So just do what she pleases. Am I right? Is Peggy me? Because I hate being ignored. And she will go just as crazy as Peggy. Mm Mm-hmm. The first thing you do before you even enter is sign a waiver that says you won't hold them liable. If anything follows you home, you get hurt, or you die. Which is the equivalent to getting on a roller coaster anyway. So sign me up. The museum grounds and building are said to be haunted and is one of the oldest residential buildings in Las Vegas. You then enter with a very small group through many rooms of mystery and horror, including a room of haunted dolls, a room dedicated directly to many, many famous serial killers, including Ted Bundy, Charles Manson, John Wayne Gacy, and many more I had never even heard of. There's a room full of celebrity artifacts that some are post-mortem, and of course, the Dybbuk box and the Demon House stairs. Which, to be honest, I didn't go into those two because, let's be honest, I am chicken shit and don't want the Z word thing, you know who, following me home to Kansas. All right, enough about the museum. Here's my experience. I was terrified to go in. Thankfully, the gift shop had rosaries for sale. I'm not even Catholic, but it felt like it would for sure protect me. Although the whole place feels like walking into the darkest, most haunted hallway and running for your life, the rooms I had the most experiences are the haunted doll room, the celebrity room, and the serial killer's room. I definitely sit somewhere in between a skeptic and a believer, but I know I got touched by a child spirit in the doll room. Uh-uh. It was hip height and felt like a tiny finger touched my side as if saying, Mommy, I'm right here. No, I don't like that at all. There was no one behind me or even by me, and that made me jumpy throughout the whole tour. The second thing that happened, besides feeling overall scared after that, is the celebrity room, where they have a wand and dental work from Patrick Swayze. Yes, really. And that when I went to the back of the room to explore, I started crying unexpectedly over the wedding gown of Sharon Tate. At this time, I had no clue who she was or her story, but my stomach lurched and I just started bawling as soon as I walked over to it. After this whole experience, I looked her up and it made perfect sense why I was just gut-wrenchingly sad. Bless it. And lastly, the biggest thing that happened after the tour was over, I had left and finally gotten back home, is that I had dreams about the museum for months. Mm-mm. Every single night, vivid dreams about all of the inhabitants, all of the spirits, all of the hallways, even the smells of some of the rooms. I definitely take for granted and thank the gods that I never had bad ones, but they were the most surreal dreams I have ever had. No exaggeration, I could tell you every single turn in that place. 
all of the stairs, all of the artifacts. I think this would be the most close to lucid dreaming I could get. It startled me so much I sought out a very gifted friend of mine to interpret why I was obsessively dreaming about it and to make sure it wasn't something evil. And she said this, You have a bright light, and when you walk into a place that is overrun with so many spirits, entities, trauma, events, and death, those things will be attracted to you. What happened is like walking into a campfire. Although you didn't get burned, the smoke still lingers on and around you for hours and sometimes days afterwards. No bad or evil spirits attached to you. The energy from that place just left its mark and lingered. I will never forget my first experience at the museum. Heck, I've been four times since then all by myself. If you girls get a chance to go spooking sometime, this is a place for you both. Creep it real and don't get scared, ladies. Much love, Casey from Kansas. Holy crap, I want to go so freaking bad. Oh, thank you for sharing your experience and stuff. And what your friend said makes perfect sense. Yeah, you had Donna with that one. She was all up in that. Mm -hmm. You know, she wants to go so bad. I do. I do, I do, I do. I don't want to bring anything home, so I'm scared. But I guess you just got to do what you got to do to protect yourself and then go, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I will go with you, though. Thank you. Thank y'all so much for sending in all of these stories. They were so freaking good. And how interesting that one mentioned Thanksgiving, and a lot of them had to do with family, which is... I mean, look, we're coming in on this time of the year that's so hard by itself, and then you throw COVID on top of it because it's just fucking ridiculous. So y'all just be as safe as you can be, and remember... Creep it real, and and don't don't get scared. scared.